Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Whenever we're in a place of running from God or we're in a place of resisting God, we're in a place where we are not where God wants us to be and we know it. It's not like I just accidentally wandered off and kind of got lost. No, this is intentional. I am absolutely not going to go where God wants me to go or do what He wants me to do. The other thing that happens, not only does it affect you, it affects people around you. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jonah chapters 1 through 2. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Or another way it's said is those who observe worthless idols or worship worthless idols, they forsake their own mercy. Many translations read that way. Uh, The King James is great. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But the idea here is, is clinging to something that cannot save you and refusing to let go of it for the one who can save you. And the one who does that forsakes their own mercy. To hold on to idolatry is to turn away from God's love. Now, you know, the truth is, God loves everybody. And even even those who don't know him, God loves them. And God wants to bring them into an experience of his love. That's what he's working to do. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God doesn't love us just when we get right with him. God doesn't love only the righteous people. God loves everybody. But those who refuse to get right with him, those who cling to their worthless idols, they prevent themselves from entering in and experiencing that love. Now, the love that we're talking about here, God's love for them. In some ways, we have to think in terms of um, the different ways that the Bible talks about God's love. And here in Jonah, we're gonna, we see, you know, we're only going to do these two chapters tonight, but we'll do three and four next week. And, and what we see, though, is we see that God loves the Ninevites, even though they're wicked but he still loves for them. He still loves them. They're his creatures. They're human beings made in his image. So he has a love for them. And that love might be called more properly, as we think about it, it might be called God's common grace. See, remember Jesus taught us that he said, your heavenly father makes the, uh, it, it rains on the just and on the unjust. 
So God's the one who, in his love for all people, he takes care of people, even people who don't follow him, even people who don't love him, even people who don't serve him. He does that simply because of who he is and who we are, creatures made in his image. So that's what we would call common grace. God has common grace for all people. Now, the deeper love that we experience when we put our faith in this God through Jesus, then we would call this special grace. So we've become the recipients of special grace, this grace that has brought us now into a place not just where God is providentially watching over us and kind of guiding the affairs of our lives and and that sort of thing, but no, where God is very specifically involved. So Jonah belongs to God in the special grace category. That's why God's dealing with Jonah in this very intimate way, in a very direct way. So sometimes we kind of get a little bit confused about, you know, we think of of certain people and we might think of them as being evil for whatever reason. And then, but then we see that they seem to have a fairly good life and even their society or their nation or even their civilization, everything seems to be okay. And sometimes we think, well, how come God just doesn't judge that? Well, that's the common grace of God. That's just extended broadly, universally to all people. And when this story is over and the Ninevites turn, they're not turning necessarily into a covenant relationship with Yahweh like the Israelites had. They're coming back into a place of God's common grace because they've turned away from those things that are um, highly displeasing to him. So those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. There's that passage in um, Jude, and it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So God loves us, but we can put ourselves outside sometimes of that place where we're experiencing God's love. It's not that he stopped loving us. You think of a parent who has a child that they deeply love. They deeply love this child, but this child has made choices to say, I do not want your uh, interference in my life. I don't want you trying to tell me what to do. I don't want any benefits from you or any blessings. I don't want you anywhere near me. I am, I'm out of your life. Now, any parent that that's ever happened to, any good parent, any person who's normal, is heartbroken because they deeply love that child. But the problem is the love they have for that child, they cannot bestow it upon them because it's not allowed. And so that's what happens with God too. Keep yourselves in the love of God means keep yourself in that place where God can keep doing all that he wants to do. Don't put yourself outside of 
the blessing of God through disobedience to God. That's what we can even do that as Christians. We're still in the covenant relationship, but we can put ourselves outside of the blessing because we've decided to live our own way, do our own thing, and ignore what God has told us to do and how he's called us to live. And in doing that, we turn away from God's love or we turn away from the blessing or the mercy. And in doing that, what we're doing is we're clinging to worthless idols. Worthless idols. Idols are anything that takes our heart's affection and becomes the main thing that we're living for. And anything that becomes that, no matter how good it might even be in and of itself, when when a good thing becomes the main thing, then it becomes an idol and it becomes a detriment to us because idols are worthless. They cannot do what they promise to do. They can never deliver on their promises. They can never bring the happiness, the fulfillment, the contentment. They can't bring any of those things to us. They're worthless, They look good on the outside, and as long as things are going all right, they seem okay because, hey, everything's going good. Maybe my idol's even helping everything go good. But once things start going, start spiraling downward, you can cry to that idol all you want, and it can't do anything for you. And Jonah, he's clinging to a worthless idol. He's talking about himself. And what is the idol? The idol is just the idol of his own self-will. I'm going to do things my way. I don't need to obey God. God doesn't know. I know better than he does. And in doing that, he sets himself up as the authority over God. And he brings himself to the edge of destruction. But God delivers him, has mercy on him. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So all of this is going on. He's crying out, repenting, acknowledging his own sinfulness, promising to sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. (laughs) Now look, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So right back to square one. You know, God has his way of bringing us to where he needs us to be, even if we are kicking and screaming, even if we're resisting, even if we are trying to run away, he will track us down. And then we end up right back where we started. 
wasted a bunch of time, and now here we go again. Go to Nineveh. (laughs) Nothing's changed. Until we do the thing God's calling us to do, we can't go anywhere beyond that. We just, we end up getting ourselves in a situation where we are stuck. Because I can't make any progress unless I'm obeying the Lord. It's in obedience to him that I make the progress. And what we need to remember is that God's will is good. His plan is good. His call is good. And even if sometimes we don't think so or we don't understand it, or we question, well, why this? And I don't necessarily want to do that. And Lord, how about this instead of that? Anybody ever do anything like that? I've done that before. And you just find that God just, you know, depending on how you actually react, he, he will deal with things differently with each and every one of us. But, but he's going to bring us back to, around to that place of saying, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, you think of, of God with Jacob. And the thing about Jacob that I think is, is just the, the great truth of Jacob's life until this particular moment is that Jacob was a man who truly loved God. Jacob was a man who wanted the will of God. He wanted those promises of God. He wanted to be in that covenant relationship with God. He wanted the will of God, but he did not want to do it the way it had to be done. So we can be people who, I want the will of God, but I just don't want the way of God. But here's the truth. You can't get into the will of God unless you go the way of God. And Jacob learned that the hard way. And remember the story of Jacob finally coming to a complete end of himself. He's been in Padan Aram. He's been with his his father-in-law, Laban. Laban has taken advantage of him over and over and over again. And God has vindicated Jacob. And then finally, Jacob's going to leave and he's going to go back to his own family. And just to remind you, when he left his family, he left under threat of death from his brother Esau, who he had deceived and stolen the birthright. And so he works things out to get away from his father-in-law, Laban. He starts to head back to the land of Canaan, where his family is. And what does he hear? He hears that his brother Esau is coming with 400 men. And he's just completely undone. And even then, he sets up a thing. He sets up three groups of people. And so he's got the servants out in front, and then he's got Leah and her kids out in front, and he's got Rachel and her kids here. And so Esau, in in Jacob's mind, it's like, okay, maybe I can appease him with the servants. But if not the servants, then Leah and the children. That, That will appease him. And then if not, Rachel. And then, you know, Jacob is the guy who's, 
always going to have a backup plan. He's always going to have a way, an exit strategy. (laughs) Rather than trust God, he's going to trust in his ability to figure things out. And so you remember that story. And that night, as he's waiting for Esau to come, it says a man came and wrestled with him. And that man was the Lord. The angel of the Lord, it says. It was the Lord who came and wrestled with Jacob. And they wrestled till the break of dawn. And Jacob didn't give up. He was still fighting God. He was still basically saying, no, God, I want to do it this way. That was the battle. God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. And finally, at the break of dawn, it says, and the Lord touched him and took his hip out of socket, crippled him, and then changed his name. What is your name? Jacob, supplanter, the guy that's going to do it his own way. Your name is now Israel. Now on, you're going to be governed by God. You're going to be a prince with God. But it was, it took, like it took Jonah going three days and three nights into the belly of this fish. It took Jacob this breaking point before he finally learned that you can only have God's will, God's way. And I think that is a good lesson for all of us to keep in mind because God's leading our lives and he's calling us to things and he has a plan. And yet sometimes the plan doesn't, we don't like the way it looks. I don't like that plan, God. I don't think I'm going to get on board with this plan. I'm, I'm going to go off and do something else. And you know, another thing that stands out to me too is whenever we get, whenever we're in a place of running from God or we're in a place of resisting God, or we're in a place where we are not where God wants us to be and we know it. It's not like I just accidentally wandered off and kind of got lost. No, this is intentional. I am absolutely not going to go where God wants me to go or do what he wants me to do. The other thing that happens, not only does it affect you, it affects people around you. The sailors on the ship. The ship was about to sink because of this one guy. And if we get ourselves outside of God's will and resisting what God is trying to do, we're going to create problems not only for ourselves, but we're going to create problems for people around us too. Our family, our loved ones, our friends, people in ministry. So let's learn the lesson from Jonah. Let's do things God's way. When God says, go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh. Now, the crazy thing is, and next week we'll dive into it. The crazy thing is the reason he didn't want to go. (laughs) That is the most crazy thing of all. 
And it kind of just, you look at it and you go, okay, what kind of a prophet was Jonah? (laughs) He was an angry prophet. He was a prophet who hated the people that God was calling him to go to. And he didn't want to go because he was afraid that God might actually forgive these people. And he doesn't want that. So, I mean, you think of like how we in our, in our humanity, we can resist God in really interesting ways. And our wills can come up against his will to the point that we're hindering things he wants to do. And then, of course, that's when he has to take more serious measures to deal with it. But we'll get to that next time. But finally, let me just say this as we close. Remember what Jesus said about Jonah? Well, he said a couple of things. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Some people have looked at Jonah and said, how is Jonah a prophet? Because this is not a prophecy. This is a historical narrative that we're reading. Well, we know he was a prophet because the King's passage tells us that he did prophesy a certain thing that did happen. But prophets didn't only verbally prophesy. Sometimes they prophesied with their experience. And so Jonah's being three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish is the prophecy of the Son of Man being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's how he's a prophet. His experience is telling a similar event that's going to happen with Jesus. But here's one other thing. The other time Jesus speaks about Jonah, he says that the Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus is the greater Jonah. And now here's where, again, the rest of the book gets really fascinating. Because what's going on here is that salvation, if you will, is going to the Gentiles. That's what's happening. So Jonah is a little... Um, he's like a, a glimpse of Christ and what he would do in that he goes to the wicked pagan nation and through him, God spares them. A greater than Jonah is here. Through the act of Jesus on the cross, is dying for the sins of the world and is rising from the dead, God's mercy and grace goes out to all the world. All the nations can now be brought in and have a relationship with God. For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. 
Have you ever resolved to repent from a sin only to be crushed and condemned by defeat later down the road? Or have you ever been hurt to the point that the wounds never just seem to heal, even years later? Well, one of the problems that Jared C. Wilson will help you to recognize is that unhealed wounds are not sin, and sin is not a simple wound from which you need to be healed. Jared C. Wilson shows how discipleship can be messy. This isn't a typical Christian self-help book promising to help you become a better Christian. This is a book about discipleship that puts the gospel front and center to help you sustain ongoing growth in Jesus by the same grace that saved you. In his book, The Imperfect Disciple, Jared C. Wilson will help you experience the grace of God in a practical way that will impact how you live as a Christian. Today is the day to finally learn how to live in the grace of God. Learn today about God's transforming grace. The book, The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jonah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.